0: Please take your Bibles and open them with me to our study of Revelation chapter 16. I was thinking this week as I was doing some reading about the Gospel, somewhat of the change that has taken place in our world over the last 50 years or so in reference to the Gospel, and how the Gospel has become in many ways and perpetuated by many in the evangelical community as a health and wealth and prosperity gospel. And while that works very well in places that the poor are prevalent, it flourishes in places like Africa and Other places where there is no running water, there is no electricity, there is no readily available food sources, there is no accoutrements of life that most people have. The prosperity gospel comes out as a a grand scheme, as a grand drive because everybody wants something they do not have. But in countries like ours where there is really... Rare to find any person that would not have running water, that someone would not have food readily available through some kind of source, where someone would not have uh, basic services for life. The prosperity gospel, while in places it is large, overall in our country it isn't all that large, and so the gospel has become in our country a therapeutic gospel. By therapeutic, we mean believe upon Jesus Christ, believe something about Jesus Christ, and He'll make everything in your life better. Believe upon Jesus Christ, He'll fix your marriage. Believe upon Jesus Christ, He'll He'll create a life of ease for you. Things will just start going well in life as if that's what the gospel is for. It becomes therapy for you. When in fact, God gave the gospel, God says, believe upon Jesus Christ, so that you might be a worshiper of God as you were created to be. It is about God, it is not about us. Randy called this week and asked me that question, and I think my answer to him in its strictest sense was this No, I'm not very excited because the passage we're in is frightening. It is a frightening passage to be in some time ago i was watching a television program and at the beginning of the program it had a disclaimer the disclaimer went something like this this program contains very graphic and disturbing images and may not be appropriate for some audiences viewer discretion is advised Maybe you've heard the same kind of message from time to time, even sometimes in a newscast. You'll hear the newscaster say, caution, some of the images you're about to see may be disturbing to some viewers. Of course, they're saying all of that because of legal reasons. They don't want to have someone see something and then they carry out and get the ramifications of what that person has saw by some legal case. But that's not the case in the text that comes before us this morning. There is no disclaimer here in the text. There is no preemptive warning. God gives us no statement about the graphic images you are about to see. No viewer discretion advised statement here. Folks, this is raw footage of the future. And we need to see it in all of its graphic nature. Why? Because we need to be shocked. We need to be stunned. So that we won't be left in our seats in silence. As Christians. God is showing us all of this so that those who have been saved by the grace of God through faith in Jesus Christ might be motivated, stimulated, not sitting in silence, might be faithful instruments in the hand of God to share the the glory of the truth of God that will save some from the wrath to come. You see, I fear that the reason many Christians are not bold, but rather quiet about Jesus Christ is because many Christians do not understand the wrath to come. We have tuned our collective heads, if you will, away from the coming carnage And we have instituted our own viewer discretion when God wants us to see it all. In our text, we are now resuming where we left off back in chapter 11. And we're about to see it all in its graphic details. There is no viewer discretion here, no disclaimers, just raw footage of what God's going to bring to the earth. Remember, chapters 12 through 14 was a view of the entirety of the tribulation from the perspective of heaven. It was was kind of a respite for us. It was a, a... Taking a a step backwards, if you will, in in chapters 12 through 14, we were able to catch our breath for a moment in the the onslaught of wrath that was coming during the tribulation. And we, we got to step back to see all that was taking place behind the scenes. We got to see what was the cause, what has been the cause throughout the centuries of history as they've gone on and the cause of Israel's trouble over all of the centuries. We got to see the cause of all of that and, and that behind all the troubles and behind all of the deception during even the tribulation period, let alone throughout the history of Israel, all of it pointed to Satan. All of it pointed to his work And his interaction with his puppets on earth. They hate God. They want to have nothing to do with God. They hate everything God stands for. They hate anyone who identifies with God. They hate God's chosen people. They hate the promises God made to his chosen people. Listen folks, what you see on the news today happening overseas in Israel has everything to do with God's promise to Israel. and so the desire of satan is to see god destroyed and if god can be destroyed satan wins and god's destruction is to or the 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 be, the getting of god to be destroyed destroys all the promises of god but the reality is that it's all part of the divine plan of god it's all part of that so that he will be glorified so that He will receive what He deserves and that His creation will do what it has been created to do. And that is to worship Him forever and ever and ever. If that premise seems to bore you, if, it, if that premise seems to hit you and go, well, really, that's what we're going to do forever and ever and ever? If that seems to hit you wrong, then you have to rethink in your mind if you really know Jesus Christ. Because what makes heaven so heavenly is not the streets of gold, the big pearls and all the gems and all the description that we find here even at the end of Revelation. What makes heaven so heavenly is Jesus Christ. If you remember back in chapter 11, it ended with the blowing of the seventh trumpet. Contained within that seventh trumpet was the seven bowls of judgment. And when the seventh trumpet was blown, the final countdown is unleashed. When all of the dust finally settles, the beast and the false prophet have been cast into the fire, Satan has been bound for 1,000 years, and Christ will be reigning on the earth. This is a most horrific time. And yet, it is a glorious time because God is punishing sin and Christ is coming to rule. Let me read for us chapter 16. I I was thinking about this thing. How much of this should I read? We need to read the whole thing because it's one scene. And so we need to see all this as it unfolds, even though we're not going to cover all this this morning. Beginning in verse 1, and I heard a loud voice from the temple saying to the seven angels, Go and pour out the seven bowls of the wrath of God into the earth. And the first went and poured out his bowl into the earth, and it became a loathsome and malignant sore upon the men who had the mark of the beast and who worshipped his image. And the second poured out his bowl into the sea, and it became blood like of a dead man, and every living thing in the sea died. And the third poured out his bowl into the rivers and the springs of waters, and they became blood. And I heard the angel of the waters saying, Righteous art you who are and who was, O holy one, because you did judge these things, for they poured out the blood of the saints and prophets, and you have given them blood to drink. They deserve it. And I heard the altar saying, Yes, O Lord God, the Almighty, true and righteous are your judgments. And the fourth poured out his bowl upon the sun, and it was given to it to scorch men with fire. And men were scorched with fierce heat, and they blasphemed the name of God who has the power over these plagues, and they did not repent so as to give him glory. And the fifth poured out his bull upon the throne of the beast, and his kingdom became darkened, and they gnawed their teeth because of pain, as they blasphemed the God of heaven because of their pains and their sores, and they did not repent of their deeds." And the sixth poured out his bowl upon the great river, the Euphrates, and its water was dried up, that the way might be prepared for the kings from the east. And I saw coming out of the mouth of the dragon, and out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet, three unclean spirits like frogs. For they are spirits of demons performing signs which go out to the kings of the whole world to gather them together for the war of the great day of God the Almighty. Behold, I am coming like a thief, lest is the one who stays awake and keeps his garments, lest he walk about naked and men see his shame. And they gathered them together to the place which in Hebrew is called har and the seventh poured out his bowl upon the air and a loud voice came out of the temple from the throne saying, it is done. And there were flashes of lightning and sounds and peals of thunder and there was a great earthquake such as there had not been since man came to to be upon the earth. So great an earthquake was it and so mighty And the great city was split into three parts, and the cities of the nations fell. And Babylon the great was remembered before God to give her the cup of the wine of his fierce wrath. And every island fled away, and the mountains were not found. Huge hailstones, about 100 pounds each, came down from heaven upon men. And men blasphemed God because of the plague of hail Because its plague was extremely severe. This is a horror like none other. These are extremely severe judgments. And they allow us to clearly see how God feels about sin. And how God feels about those who reject His Son, Jesus Christ. Oftentimes, when we come to the Scriptures, we wonder, what is it we're going to be learning? What truth is it I'm going to be learning? And far too often, we think in a therapeutic kind of way. We think of something that might help me. It's a me kind of thing. Rather than when we come to Scripture, we learn something about God. And we learn something about glorifying God. And this passage is all about that. It is all about God receiving the glory and what we learn about God. Oftentimes we think of God as the God of grace and the God of goodness and God of mercy and God of love. And certainly he is all of those things and more. But here we are seeing the holiest and most intense wrath of God against sin. And it shows us clearly his wrath against that was placed upon Jesus Christ and how He feels about sin. When Randy read from Romans 1 this morning before we sang that last song about the wrath of God being revealed against all men and all ungodliness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness, God was expressing His wrath against man and against sinners as He expressed it on Christ. And here we see the wrath of God being poured out upon all those who have rejected Jesus Christ. This is the epitome of God's absolute total destruction of sinners. On the cross, God's wrath was the epitome of His absolute crushing of His Son for sinners like us. But here, the sinner's themselves will bear the burden of God's righteous judgment. The day of patience is over. We have reached, as Joel 2 said, the day of the Lord. This is the great day of the Lord. The concentrated blaze of the righteous anger of God against sin and sinners has come. And so from the Opened, smoke-filled temple of chapter 15 and verse verse 8. And the temple was filled with smoke from the glory of God and from His power. And no one was able to enter the temple until the seven plagues of the seven angels were finished. From that very place comes the command to the seven angels. And this command sets in motion the greatest horror the earth has ever seen. John says, and I heard of loud voice from the temple saying to the seven angels, go and pour out the seven bulls of the wrath of God into the earth. And as you read through this, you get this idea that one right after the other, almost, almost in a simultaneous fashion and yet seemingly right after, because we have a chronology, this wrath is poured out till there's almost no break within it. And just so you know when it says bowls there don 't think of the kind of bowls that we have that have large sides on the edges and all that kind of stuff where the pouring out kind of comes in a slow fashion. This is more like the flat kind of bowl with a little place in the middle, almost like a, a charger that some of you ladies might put on a table where you put a plate on that flat charger that has a little indent that 's what this kind of bowl was like the same bowl the priest used to to pour out the blood onto the altar it doesn 't come out in a slow fashion when the bowl is poured it all flows out at one time and so when he says go and pour out the seven bowls these are these flat bowls with god's wrath that would come down in a in a in a flood upon those who are going to face it by this time in the history of our world god has already shown his love time and time again God has demonstrated grace upon grace upon grace. Out of his heart of love and mercy, he has sent his son to die for sinners. He has given gospel proclaimers. He has sent preachers and teachers of the gospel. He has brought into homes godly fathers and godly mothers. And even through all the years in the seven year tribulation, he will raise up even some supernatural preachers of the gospel so that no one is without excuse. And God, by his grace and by his love, has given to us his holy word. We have the word of God and we can go and we can open it and we can hear God preach the gospel right to us from his holy word. And he has over the history of this world pled with men and women and children please come to me believe in my son repent of your sin embrace Jesus Christ by faith but men love their sin mankind loves his sin and they hold to their sin as tightly as they hold anything. And men refuse to believe in the Son of God. And so now, the judgment of God will fall upon those who have heard the gospel and rejected it. It will be poured out upon those who have trampled underfoot the blood of Jesus Christ. Those who have despised the grace of God, who have said no to the gospel of Jesus Christ, will now face the wrath of God unmixed. Now remember, all these judgments come in rapid fire fashion. The previous judgments came over a period of time. This is all within the seven years of the tribulation, but the previous judgments came over the the first six plus years, and now in this last one, these are coming in rapid fire fashion, probably over days, weeks at best. So we're here now at the very end of the tribulation. And I just want us to walk through these one by one as we think through them. We're only going to cover probably three this morning, but, but let's just walk through these and, and get a sense and be shocked and be stunned and be, and be moved from our seat as we see who God is, as we see how God sees sin, how God judges sin, and what God is going to do if you would not repent. So Let's just take these one by one. Bowl number one. I'm calling this simply tumorous sores. Tumorous sores. You don't have to be very brilliant to get my outline. And the first went out and poured his, or went and poured out his bowl into the earth, and it became a loathsome and malignant sore upon the men who had the mark of the beast and who worshipped his image. The first angel does exactly what God says. He follows the command to a T. He goes out. And he dumps the contents of his bowl upon the earth. And notice that his judgment or this judgment from this bowl is both worldwide and yet it is discriminant. He pours it into the earth and it becomes this loathsome and malignant sore upon the men who had the mark of the beast and who worshipped his image. In other words, the whole earth is affected by this judgment, and yet not every person is affected in this judgment. This judgment is upon beast worshipers, those who have followed after the beast. The word men here, don't get confused by that, the word there that... It's loathum and malignant sore upon the men. Don't let that word confuse you. Anthropos in the original language can be used for men in general or mankind as a whole. And this doesn't mean that women and females are, are not touched by this. This word simply indicates mankind. Mankind who worshipped the beast. That's who's being judged. Those who had the mark of the beast equals those who worshipped his image. In other words, there's no distinction. All who have rejected Christ come under this wrath. What specifically is this wrath? It is loathsome and malignant sores. Some of your texts might read harmful and painful. Noisome and grievous is the King James. We don't even use terms like that, at least noisome. NIV, I believe, says ugly and painful. The, the writers of the or the translators are trying to help us get an understanding of all that this is. This is very graphic. This is viewer discretion not advised here. You need to see it all. This is very graphic. It is very grotesque. These are open wounds. That's what this is. It's. It's similar to what Job was going on with Job from head to foot when Satan was allowed to inflict Job with these tumors, these sores. These are painful tumors on your body. Ugly in appearance. They are extremely painful. And they are breaking out on all of those who are Christ rejected. I was reading this week in reference to this, and I found it quite interesting about this passage that there are some commentators who try to give some kind of scientific natural cause to these kinds of things. In fact, one went so far as to say it may be caused by the exposure that these people had to radiation when they were receiving the mark of the beast or the name of the beast upon them the laser instrument that was used to mark them i don't know where he got that i don't i don't know that lasers will even be used i'm not sure what's going to be used and frankly i'm not sure why anyone would even try to come up with a natural explanation for all of this because this is not a natural occurrence this is supernatural This is God pouring out His wrath upon the earth. This is God's direct intervention with His creation. This is supernatural. You don't have to seek out some natural occurrence. God's judgment is direct. And God's judgment is discriminating. God's judgment is direct. And God's judgment is discriminating. Those Christ-worshippers who have survived the Holocaust will be protected. We can, I think, rightly assume, since the gospel is proclaimed, and yet many have been killed for their faith, according to chapter 15, There are those who have been martyred for their faith. Chapter 5 tells us there's even some under the altar who were killed early on. But the gospel has gone forth. There are those who have embraced Jesus Christ, turned their back from the the beast, not worshipped the beast. Somehow, by God's grace, they have survived in these things, and this isn't affecting them. This is for the beast worshippers. This is judgment of God upon those who... Do not worship Christ. Those who worship Christ are enveloped in Christ. Christ has borne the wrath of God for them. When? On the cross. But those who have rejected Christ, those who identify their allegiance with the Antichrist, will be the ones who are struck with this tumorous sore. You say, well... That seems rather harsh. Why would God do that? Well, this was what God promised He would do. All we need to do is look back in chapter 14, verse 9 when the supernatural angels were there preaching in tandem the gospel of God and proclaiming the fallenness of Babylon the Great, the the system of idolatry and false religion, and this third angel in tandem with these other two in verse 9 comes along saying with a loud voice, if anyone worships the beast and his image and receives a mark on his forehead or upon his hand, remember I said this is almost as if this angel is preaching and proclaiming and yelling from the skies to people who are in line waiting to get the mark don't do it because if you do you will also verse 10 drink of the wine of the wrath of god which is mixed in full strength in the cup of his anger you see the full unmixed Anger of God is being poured out, and this is part of it. This is exactly what God has promised. These rejectors have chosen the beast. They worship him when they've been created to worship God. They have rejected the warning of the flying angel to fear God and give him glory. They have chosen Antichrist over Christ. Now, they are afflicted from head to toe with painful tumors. There's one thing you're going to want if you have painful tumors across your whole body. You're going to want relief. Relief. You're going to want relief. You're going to want relief from the pain. You're going to want relief from the stigma of having these sores. But relief never comes. The only thing that comes is the rapid fire succession of the next judgment. Look at what God does. Verse 3, this is the second bowl. And the second poured out his bowl into the sea and it became blood like that of a dead man. And every living thing in the sea died. This is what I call toxic seas. You have tumorous sores, now you have toxic seas. You don't need another word from heaven giving the command. The command has already been given to all of the seven angels. And so this angel follows in tandem with the first and empties his bowl, dumps it out. And the wrath of God empties upon the sea. Scientists tell us there's approximately 70 to 75 percent of the entire earth's surface covered by sea. So this is affecting the entire globe. This is not regional. As some commentators try to say, this is not a regional effect. You remember that under the second trumpet, thirty percent of the sea was turned to blood. That would have been regional, but here it is the entire sea, the whole thing, all seventy to seventy-five percent of the earth's surface is now affected by the wrath of God. Under this, under the second trumpet, God caused some kind of celestial happening to occur. Some some red fire kind kind of thing to come, maybe even a meteor to fall into both the sea, the seawater, and then into the fresh water. and one became like blood, the sea, the water became bitter, as it called wormwood, and men died from drinking it, but notice that here, that is not the case, the sea not only becomes blood, but it is the blood of a dead man, very descriptive terminology, very graphic. Leviticus 17.11 says the life of the flesh is in the blood. The life of the flesh is in the blood. The reason that Jesus Christ had to die and shed his blood. Jesus gave his life. The life of the flesh is in the blood. Leviticus 17.11. It is the blood that carries all of the life-sustaining oxygen and nutrients to all of the parts of your body. It is the blood that does that. But in death, blood becomes congealed. It becomes a mass of rotting biological chemicals. And... Those rotting biological chemicals are both repulsive and nauseating. It is this death blood that is pictured here. And the result is that the sea is now toxic instead of life-giving. The sea is a sea of death rather than a sea of life. In the sea, the sea of blood, nothing can survive. Now just think about it for a moment. I mean, think about these words. We get one verse. God gives us one verse, and yet the implications are so far and wide. Just think about this. This is an an ecological disaster upon the world that leaves all of marine life dead. I mean, you watch the news of, of the tsunami that happened several years ago in Japan. You watch that and you watch these things that now are floating up onto the shore of, of the west coast of the United States and, and the concern that the biologists have because microorganisms from Japan are now here on this side of the world and that could disrupt ecological systems and all this kind of stuff and they're not sure what's going to go on. Listen, this will be an ecological disaster they have never seen billions upon billions of sea creatures. Sea mammals, all fish. My last vacation that my wife and I took, we had the opportunity to go scuba diving. I'd never done that before. I figured I'd go down to the bottom of the sea and see if Spongebob was there or something. So we went down. We got our class and went down under the water down about 40 feet there's all kinds of sea life down there I'd never known about this one little patch of the ocean in the midst of the grand oceans of the world they were all living teeming with life wondering what this big ugly fish me down there was doing here the sea is blood all fish meet their sudden death And their decomposing bodies are now washing up on all the shores, around all the beaches of all the world. The stench alone would be enough to cause you to instantaneously gag so that what's on the inside of you wants now to be on the outside of you. You get the picture. This is vile. And if that wasn't enough... All oceanic food sources are now ended. I searched this week how much food comes from the ocean. Do you realize that they don't know that? I'm glad nobody came up with some kind of grand answer to that on the Internet. There's so much that we eat from the ocean. There's so much food that comes from the ocean. And we don't even know all that's in the ocean. And yet here all of it becomes in a moment dead. The only sustainable food source must now come from the land. And as we will see, even that will be affected. Because water will be no more. One commentator put it this way, the world's seas will become putrid pools of death as a testimony to the wickedness of man. Unquote. He's right. You go now to the ocean communities, you go now to the places where the ocean is pure and pristine and blue and these beautiful colors and you stand there and you go, what a beautiful thing to look at, what a place to to just spend some time and reflect upon the honor and glory of God for what He has created and you will go there at this time if you even could go there and you will see nothing but death. All the beauty is gone and all it will be a reminder of is to the wickedness of men and why this judgment has come. Tumorous sores, toxic seas, and right on the heels of it, bull number three comes. the third, verse four, poured out his bull into the rivers and the springs of waters and they became blood. Now you have toxic rivers and toxic springs. You go from seawater to freshwater. God strikes another blow. And this time it's on the rivers and on the springs. Now all freshwater things are dead and dying. Remember before already one third of the freshwater was already affected. Just go back for a moment to chapter 8 just to remind us of this. Chapter 8 verses, I don't know, we'll go 8 and down. The second angel sounded and something like a great mountain burning with fire was thrown into the sea and a third of the sea became blood. And a third of the creatures which were in the sea that had life died. And a third of the ships were destroyed. So not only did you have part of the sea life and part of the transportation of anything from country to country across the waters of the sea completely destroyed. That was the first part. And then the third angel sounded, just like here in chapter 16. And a great star fell from heaven, burning like a torch that fell on the third of the rivers and of the springs of waters. And the name of the star was called Wormwood. And a third of the waters became Wormwood. And many men died from the waters. Why? Because they were made big. And the implication is because they tried to drink the water. The water was used as a water source for for sustaining life, and it became instead the instrument of death. Now, in chapter 16, the same thing is happening. The rest, the rest of the rivers, like the rest of the oceans, they are now turned to blood. God is judging sin. And isn't it interesting that in God's judgment of sin, the mark of that judgment is blood? Seems rather interesting, doesn't it? That the judgment that all men deserve, the wrath of God on all mankind, fell initially upon Jesus Christ on the cross who shed His blood for our living, shed blood for our life and now blood is being used as a judgment upon them who refuse Jesus Christ. Jesus' blood brings life if you believe in Jesus Christ, but this blood brings death. By the way, you might remember that during the tribulation time when the two witnesses are witnessing for God in their miraculous way, they have been given, as it says, the power over the rain. They can... They can stop the rain at will. And so even during that time, water is in a shortage. The rivers, the reservoirs would have been the only source of water to men even during those times when the judgments of those two prophets were there closing up the rain if they so choose. But nothing will stop this. Nothing. All of mankind will find any water source undrinkable. And no technology. Think, well, we'll just get desalination plants and we'll figure out some way to kind of take care of that. Listen, no technology of man will be able to overcome it. It's hard to even imagine all of this. We live in such a water rich place. I mean, it's even God's even giving us water right now as we speak. But try to imagine it. No water at all. None. None. No water to clean out the tumors that are all over your body. No water to, to care for anything, let alone quench your thirst. You're in excruciating pain, and now you're dehydrating rapidly. seems absolutely horrific, isn't it? It's absolutely horrific. And if we're not careful... We're not careful. We might even say in our minds, just like the world says on a constant basis. you probably even heard this, talking to somebody about God. And they they say things like this. How can a God of love, how can a God of mercy, how can this God you're talking about allow this kind of horror? That doesn't seem fair at all. How could a a loving God, a, a kind God do this? God understands the question and in a kind of defense of God's character. Another angel speaks in verse 5. John says, And I, I heard the angel of the waters saying... Back in chapter 7, you saw angels that were at the four corners of the earth holding back the wind. In chapter 14, there's... There's this angel that God has that has the authority over the fire. Remember, he's in the temple. And here, there's an angel over the waters. And he defends the character of God. And John says, I, I, I heard an angel over the waters saying, Righteous are you who are and who was. O oh, Holy One, because you did judge these things listen here's the point here's the point: don't question the righteousness and holiness of God ever. Don't question the very character of God. He is righteous and He is holy. He is from the beginning and He will be there in the end. He has created it all. Don't judge God. Don't judge. Don't stand in the place of judgment over His righteousness. His judgments are always right. Always. And they are always just. Even if his wrath is both terrifying and deadly, it is right. And notice, it is deserved, verse 6, for they poured out the blood of the saints. He says, you did judge these things, verse 5, why? Because they, that is, those who rejected Jesus Christ, all those who do not stand with God, for they poured out the blood of the saints and prophets, and you have given them blood to drink. They deserve it. You see, the world says, "What? wait a minute, man doesn't deserve this kind of thing. Man doesn't deserve this kind of judgment. How dare a God, you say, who is a loving God, a caring God, a righteous God, a just God, how dare He do this? And yet God says, the holy angels say, of God's very character, listen, they're getting exactly what they deserve. Mankind is getting what mankind deserves. Listen, people across the world continually curse God for what he allows. People curse God. They cursed God in Jesus' day when the tower fell on some unsuspecting people. People curse God even in our day during wartime and during terrorist activities and things like that that happened to quote-unquote innocent people. And here they are certainly cursing and blaspheming God and questioning why He is doing this during the tribulation. And the angel comes to his defense. Not as if God needs defense, but I think God is reassuring us here And just as what is said about His very character. This angel, the angelic host, is just speaking and saying he is righteous, he is holy, he is just, he is virtuous. Don't ever question who God is by his character. And I think we must listen to these words very carefully. You say, why? Because, listen, listen, folks, this is always an appropriate response by God. To rejecters. Let me say that again. This is always an appropriate response by God. To those who reject his son. Always. The inappropriate response. If I can even use that word. Is for God to give any of us grace. We all deserve grace. This response from God. And God poured out this kind of wrath on the cross on Jesus Christ, the innocent one, so that through his blood, we who live to die might now through his death live. They deserved it. And if mankind would come to grips with the reality that they deserve everything that God brings by way of judgment. Then they might turn to him. They just might turn to him. But the reality is because man believes that he's good. Because man believes that he deserves to be loved by a holy God. God that he deserves to be serviced by God in his life in some kind of therapeutic way, in some kind of life prosperity way, as if today is all there is, then he deserves a a place in, in the kingdom of God that somehow God should give him some place because that's what God is. Then he will bear the penalty of his sin if that's what he believes. Then notice verse 7 and then... The altar speaks. And then I heard the altar saying. This is the altar in the Holy of Holies. In the temple of heaven. This is the very place where God is sitting. The altar is saying yes. O Lord God. The almighty true and righteous. Are your judgments. It's the altar perhaps. Under which the saints have been praying. the altar by which they're praying for the vindication of their very souls the altar is now personified it's it's affirming the answer of the angel over the water Yes, this is right. Yes, they deserve it. Yes, O Lord God, the Almighty, You are true and righteous and Your judgments are true and righteous. There is nothing wrong with what You're doing. There is nothing wrong with what's beating meted out upon men. There is nothing wrong with it at all. They deserve everything they get. What God is doing is right. It is just... It is holy, it is righteous. Why? Because God Himself is right, just, holy, and righteous. You see, God doesn't have to live up to a standard. God is the standard. He is the standard, and when He acts, His very act becomes the righteous standard. So when the beast worshippers are hit with these incredible sores, when they are under the punishment of the seas, turning to the blood of a dead man, and the fresh waters being turned into blood, so that all water life is now completely destroyed, God is doing what is right. God is doing and acting out of true justice. He is about to bring even more of what His holy reaction is to sinners. The angel says they deserve it. Word is worthy. they're, they're worthy of it. It isn't as if they're getting something they do not deserve. They're, they're worthy of this. This is what sin deserves. And the fourth angel pours out his bowl upon the sun. We don't have time to get to all that. But suffice it to say that you would think, you would think that after just this, just the sores upon your body, just the means of having life-sustaining food coming out of the sea and out of the water would be enough that, that someone, someone would come to their senses and repent. But the news grows even more sad. Because you notice at the end of verse 9, and they did not repent. The end of verse 11, and they did not repent. Time and time and time again, man has been shown the grace of God in Christ alone. Even to the end, and men do not repent. Doesn't seem like it could get any worse, but it will. God is righteous. God is just. God is holy. And all men deserve it.